With Fidelity Wealth Management, a dedicated advisor can work with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Plus, you'll have access to specialists in estate planning strategies. So you're not just growing and protecting your wealth, you're sharing it. More at fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimums apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Welcome to the Jill on Money show. It is Saturday, February 18th, and we are here trying to answer your financial questions. Even though it is a long holiday weekend, I hope you guys are all taking some time off. We are still providing this great content. And if this is not enough for you, we've got more. Yes, more Jill. It's like more cowbell. Right now, you can subscribe to our brand new service. It's called Jill on Money Live. If you subscribe, you'll have access to quarterly live webinars and more special content. All the information is on the website, jillonmoney.com. Our first special webinar exclusive to those who enroll in this brand new service is none other than the great Ed Slot. That's going to happen on March 30th. So check it out. Go to the website, jillonmoney.com. Okay, so this weekend we are bringing back one of our favorite guests. His name is Mark Miller. Now you might have seen his byline. He writes for Reuters and Morningstar. Um, he also contributes regularly to the New York Times retiring column. And that usually appears in the Sunday edition. Today, Mark is coming on the program to talk about his new book. It's called Retirement Reboot. And uh, there's a lot of great information in this book. So I encourage you to check it out. We're going to start our interview talking about the horrible and thorny and daunting system of Medicare. And uh, we'll go into a little bit on long-term care. We'll finish our long-term care conversation tomorrow. So right now, I hope you enjoy this. It is Mark Miller. Welcome back to the show. How are you? Jill, great to be with you. Thank you. Uh, Mark, you are a very busy man. You do a lot of writing. You do a lot of research. But your passion has been, for a while, retirement. Now, why is that? Why are you so so flummoxed by the world of retirement? Or not even flummoxed. Why are you so enchanted by it? Well, I got interested in 15 years ago when I worked on a magazine startup focused in this area that, as many magazines do, it only lasted a couple of years. But I caught the bug. I got really interested in this topic for a number of reasons. One is that, you know, looking at actually writing the business plan to launch the magazine, I was like, wow, this is this is going to be the demographic story of the United States for the next several decades, which is aging. And it seemed to me there were so many important topics within that, you know, in terms of the way that people transition into retirement, both from a kind of a career standpoint, and then financially, of course, and the health issues and housing. So it touches on so many topics that really interest me as a journalist. And as I dug into it more, I became really passionate about, as I realized that so many people were not prepared for retirement, certainly emotionally, but very specifically financially, there's just lots of reasons to worry about the gaps that many Americans are facing in their ability to maintain their standard of living. And that's what ultimately led me to do the new book, which was try to say, is there a way to do a personal finance book? This for people who don't normally read personal finance books, namely people who are not investors. Yeah. And people who really need it, but don't necessarily think it's for them. So what is it about our system 
here in the United States that makes the the idea of planning for retirement so difficult for let's say uh, people in the the middle to the lower end of the income scale. Well, I think two things. One is that we don't really have a retirement system. We have sort of a patchwork of different systems that do and do not talk to one another very well. And there's a bunch of reasons for that. And then the second reason is, as I say in the book, I think complexity is the enemy. You know, it's like mm. people look at these complex challenges and they just kind of zone out. You know, it's the the deer in the headlight phenomenon. Mm. I think there's a lot of evidence from psychology and behavioral economics telling us that a lot of people just freeze when they're confronted with lots and lots of choices. And like my favorite example of this in terms of retirement, the retirement space has to be Medicare. You know, people talk about Social Security claiming decisions as being complex. And yeah, there are some, some things there that are, we can talk about if you like. But Medicare has become unbelievably complicated, and I think unnecessarily so. You know, we've, we've had this sort of stealth privatization of Medicare over the last two decades. There was never any up or down vote in Congress to say, shall we privatize Medicare? But that is, in fact, what we've done with the advent of things like Medicare Advantage, which is a marketplace-driven platform, and the same for the Part D prescription drug program. So we, we put consume, the burden on consumers to figure out best fit coverage to make these complicated decisions about, do you want to be in traditional Medicare versus Medicare Advantage? And, and then we say, oh, and by the way, you should be rechecking these decisions once every year during the fall enrollment season, which... Nobody does. Very few people do. So there's or, lots of or or if you're complexity. my mother, you just call up your kid and you say, "What do I do?" And Jill like Jill does it. Jill rechecks the coverage every year. Uh, so it's yeah. hard though because those plans do change. You're absolutely right. And I remember when my parents first went on Medicare. So I was still a financial planner, I guess, at the times so like 20 years ago or whatever. And it was much simpler. It has gotten yes. more complex. The whole idea also of this, the IRMA rule, right? This kind of blew my mind. And I know it's more for wealthier people, but then all of a sudden people who aren't exactly wealthy get caught in this trap of IRMA, this income-related monthly adjustment amount, which is basically like you're making too much money. You got to put more money towards Medicare. I think this is a shocking factoid for people who may not realize like, Oh, like we just got a call recently on the podcast. I sold my company and I just like it blew up my whole Irma calculation. Two things about Irma. One is that more people are falling into it because they file for Medicare, but they might still be working. Right. So, you know, if you still have reasonable wage income, you're going to you're going to pay a bit more like like I do. Like I'm on Medicare, but I still work. So what you cannot possibly be 65 years old. That's the most shocking thing you've said so far today. No, no, you're right. I'm not 65. I'm 68. (laughs) (laughs) Look damn good. Look damn good, man. So (laughs) where were we here? Yeah. So. That's the thing with Irma is that a lot of people are getting caught in that trap. But, you know, the good news is that you're working longer, so you're doing yourself a lot of favors with that. So the fact that you're paying a little bit more for Medicare, I don't think, is the biggest deal. But yes, people do get caught with that. But what do most people do when it comes time to sign up for Medicare? Like, has there been a cottage industry of people and advisors who 
crop up and help people out? Are those ripoffs? Is there a way, are there fantastic resources that help people walk through like the, uh, I would call it like the uh, equivalent maybe to like these insurance aggregation sites? Is there anything out there that's helpful? What we see in the survey information is that people are turning to friends and family for advice. They're turning to insurance brokers. And insurance brokers, that, that's okay in the sense that brokers tend to be pretty knowledgeable about the insurance products that they sell. But the problem there is that no insurance broker is going to rep, be able to represent the entire range of options that's available in your region. You know, typically, like in Medicare Advantage, you might be selecting among 25 plus plans in, in, in your market. Same could be true for Part D Medicare. So the place I try to point people to is what's called the State Health Insurance Assistance Program, which is goes by the acronym SHIP. And those are- Which is an unfortunate acronym if you have to, if you know, you say it quickly. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> that, that is a program that's jointly funded by states and the federal government, generally staffed by trained volunteer counselors. So it's unbiased, objective, generally quite knowledgeable advice that's available to help people with these choices. And the question you're asking, I think, is the right one is like, people really need more information. There's two big messages in my Medicare chapter that I want to leave people with, if nothing else. One is, watch out for late enrollment penalties. You were talking about Irma, but the bigger pitfall is if you don't sign up on time, you're stuck with these rather onerous penalties that get tacked onto your Part B premium and those are lifetime penalties. So you really have to navigate the the enrollment timing. Generally speaking, you're required to sign up in a window around your 65th birthday or you pay the penalties. But the big caveat is if you're still working, if you're still actively employed, uh, then you can stay on an employer's policy and, and you won't have these penalties. But so there's a lot of ins and outs on that that I get into in the chapter, but that's Message one. And the other big message that I want people to get is when you first sign up, you might be making a decision that you that becomes irrevocable. And that decision is deciding to join a Medicare Advantage plan rather than traditional Medicare. And the reason it can be irrevocable is that when you first sign up for Medicare Part B, you have an opportunity to buy a Medigap supplemental policy, which is what you use in traditional Medicare to plug the gaps. And there's a guaranteed issue window there, meaning insurers are required to sell you a policy during that window without respect to any pre-existing condition you might have. And they have to sell you a policy at the best prevailing price. After that window closes, uh, they're not required to sell you anything. And so let's say a couple of years, you join Medicare Advantage, you, you don't buy a Medigap because they're not used in Medicare Advantage. Two years later, you're un unsatisfied and want to go into traditional Medicare. Well, you can make that switch during the fall enrollment period, but you may or may not be able to obtain a Medigap policy, which in, 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 from a practical perspective means you're kind of locked out of traditional Medicare because nobody should be in traditional Medicare without a Medigap. So those are my two big things to people really need to pay careful attention to those late enrollment rules and also really think through carefully this choice of traditional versus Medicare Advantage. And I, I'm a big fan of traditional Medicare. I say to people, if you can at all swing the somewhat higher upfront costs in terms of premiums, you are getting 
what I regard as to be the gold standard of health insurance in the United States, which is traditional Medicare. You know, we often will get a ton of listeners who are sort of like, what's the deal with long-term care insurance? Because Mm -hmm. for some of them, they purchased long-term care insurance and then they got, you know, snagged in that terrible spiral where your premiums go up dramatically. Is it really worth it? Who really needs it? And I'm just wondering if you have any view on uh, long-term care insurance, the use of it, and whether we're making too much out of it. So I do have a chapter on this in the book. And I I think the long-term care uh, insurance is probably the most broken part, broken component of these retirement systems that we were talking about earlier. You know, Mm -hmm. we the long-term care insurance business really is targeted for middle-class households. Affluent households probably don't really need it because they can self-insure. Mm-hmm. And low-income households don't need it because they're covered by Medicaid. Middle-class households, are the, it's arguably the group that would benefit the most from this kind of insurance. But the costs are high. You know, it can cost uh, now, I don't know, four to $5,000 a year for a couple if you have uh, inflation protection built in there, which you should have if you're going to have a policy. And then, as you mentioned, the insurance companies have been just boosting these premiums by double digit rates and that make it even harder for policyholders to hang on. So you wind up buying a policy, paying into it for a number of years, and then you have to either drop out of it or reduce your coverage in order to handle the cost. So it's not a function, well-functioning component of retirement you know, risk protection. It's been declining for years. You know, the number of new policies being sold has been been falling. We'll have more with Mark Miller tomorrow. If you've got a question about Medicare, about Social Security, about long-term care, about all the things that Mark is talking about, we'd love to hear from you. Just go to JillOnMoney.com, click the Contact Us button, and of course, let us know if you would be willing to come on the air. As I mentioned before, we are introducing a brand new service. It's called Jill on Money Live. Go to the website, check it out. And while you're there, as you are opening your pocketbook, you might as well buy the book, The Great Money Reset. Change your work, change your wealth, change your life. There are 10 bold steps to turn chaos into opportunity. So check it out. All right. Well, don't forget, we've got a lot of stuff going on on the website. Things are happening at the Jill on Money world. We want you to be part of it. This community is based on you and your needs. If you have any suggestions for us, topics you'd like us to cover, don't forget to shoot us a note. For now, just try to do something nice for someone else today. It's going to make that person feel good, and I know it's going to make you feel good. Change your work, change your wealth, change your life. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. 